mountains that I face Stronger than the power of a grave Constant in the trial and the change One thing remains One thing remains Your love never fails, it never gives up never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. Your Good morning, East Taylorsville Baptist Church. It's good to see y'all out here on this beautiful day. And uh, yeah, y'all can wave back. That's nice to see y'all. Nice to see hands and people. But we're so glad that you're here today for worship. And uh, also excited that next Sunday, 
Lord willing, we are planning to be back inside. This will be our last drive-in service as long as everything stays as it is. So uh, on this day, it does get a little warm out here. So we encourage you to tune into your radio, 92.5. You can turn that up and you can shut your windows if you need to. But feel free to leave your cars running as it does get a little stuffy out here. But uh, next Sunday, we're going to be making some more specific announcements this week by social media, uh, by phone tree message. But we will have some things in place as you come in next Sunday. The biggest thing that we need everybody to do is to enter these doors here to the front lobby or the other side of the lobby. All the other doors on the church will be locked. So we encourage you to park here or park on that side of the Jennings building. We're going to have everyone come in the main lobby, come down the hallway. If any of you would like to wear a mask, please bring that and wear that. We will also have some masks available that are reusable. You feel free to take one of those. Uh, We'll have plenty of hand sanitizer, and we'll also have everyone spaced out systematically across the Jennings Building Auditorium. Uh, We want to be as safe as we can, and we'll have those steps in place, but we'll make that clear throughout the week. But we're excited to be back together, be back inside. And some of you have asked if... If you come, if you'll still be able to hear it, we will have the FM broadcast going out. So if you still are not comfortable being inside, you can stay in the parking lot and listen on your radio. Um, that still is available. You can watch online. Of course, we're going to continue to stream. But uh, we're excited about being back in next week and kind of getting back to a little bit of what normal looks like. But today, I encourage you to worship, encourage you to turn your attention to the Lord, And as we get ready to sing, first of all, I want you to turn to your neighbors in your cars, wave at them, blow your horn at them, and welcome everybody to the service.
Good morning. As we go to the Lord in prayer, last week we had mentioned uh, Darren Ayers. He is uh, doing well. The family wants to thank you for praying for him. Uh, he's at our hospital in recovery for a week or so. Please continue to pray for Darren as he's there and is going through recovery. Um, this past week I was listening to a professional football player, and he said these words, and you may have heard him too. I'm not going to say his name. He says, we need God as a nation. We need God. We do. We need him. And the audience that he was speaking to, they stood up and they applauded him. And then he said these words, we need to fear God. Our nation needs to have reverence toward God again. So in thinking of that, I thought of Psalms 9, chapter 9. Please go through and read that this week, verses 19 and 20, and then we'll have prayer. The psalmist writes, David writes these words. He says, Arise, O Lord, do not let man prevail. Let the nations be judged in your sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Church, we're not in charge. World, we're not in charge. God's in charge. He's in control of all things. And I think through this pandemic, it has brought us back to the realization to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto us. That's in Matthew's Gospel 33. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you that you are in control of all things. And Father, we want to thank you that you're on your throne and you're high and lifted up. Not only that, but you live in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And we want to thank you that you live within the body of the believer. And Father, we want to continue to pray for Darren that you'd be with him and his recovery at the hospital. I pray you'd be with those who are taking care of him. Bless them. Thank you for the health care workers throughout America, Lord, that are working. And Father, laboring to help people to get well physically. And Father, we pray for the spiritual well-being of our nation that you'd bring Lord, us to a place of fear again. We need you, God. We need you in a nation. We need you in a community, in our churches. We need you to be Lord of our lives once again. And Father, we need to have reverence toward you. Lord, I pray you'd revive your people. I pray you'd revive this nation. Lord, there's so much unrest and uncertainty and all the things that are going on. And I pray that you'd bring peace. I pray that you'd bring reverence. I pray you'd turn your, your people in prayer. And Lord, help us truly pray that God, that you'd help us to turn to you, to seek you first and your righteousness, that Lord, that we might have your blessings once again. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As followers of Jesus, we have incredible blessings. Paul has said, once we were under the law of sin, now there's no condemnation. Once we were living according to the flesh, now he says you're living according to the Spirit. Once you serve the devil, now you're children of God serving Christ. But there is suffering. Life on earth is not perfect. Don't expect it to be perfect. 
But in these times of suffering, we are to have hope. We are to be patient. We look beyond this. Persevere. Pray. Get your eyes on the Lord. God is working out His purposes in your life. What an incredible future we have. This is the great hope of the gospel. Well, good morning. I'm going to ask a question to begin with. How many of you just love going to the doctor? I don't see any hands. I don't, <laughs> I don't hear any horns. One of the things we dread is going to the doctor, especially men, for whatever reason. But one of the things we have to do at times is go to the doctor to find out what's wrong. But also sometimes we have to go to the doctor, even though we know what's wrong with us, in order to get a prescription, right? To have the authority of the doctor to say, you can take this medication. But part of the prescription is not just authorizing it, but then the instructions as to what to do with that medication, how you proceed with it, the steps that you take. Um, I came across a couple uh, typos in a prescription. I hope you've never had one and caused you to do something wrong, but one of them said this. On the side of the medicine bottle, it said, take one tablet by mouth into right eye. Things a little confusing. Another one said this, shake well and inhale two puffs in each ear four times daily for seven days. There can be some confusion when it's up to when there's human error involved or a machine involved. But we're going to look at a passage today, Philippians chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4. And in this very short but very familiar passage, I've seen it kind of as a prescription from Paul. Prescription for peace that has no error, no typos. It is very clear concerning peace. We live in a time when peace seems to be gone. So many people struggle more with stress than experience peace. There was a study done, and I found this in a medical journal. And in that it said, anxiety orders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting around 40 million adults. Almost one in five people deal with an anxiety disorder. So if we looked in this parking lot and we went by cars, I would say, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. You are stressed out. You're okay, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. You guys are struggling in that white Kia. So how do we deal with peace? Paul gives us very clear instructions, a prescription to how we experience peace in this life. Now, what authority does Paul write with? Think about this. Paul's writing... Why should we even listen to Paul? Those that receive this letter in this church, why should they listen to Paul? Well, number one is, understand he was inspired by God. He had the authority of God, but Paul was writing from experience. Paul was a prisoner in Rome when he wrote this. He's chained to a guard. He had faced countless hardships. He was awaiting trial. To say he was at an uncertain time of life would be an understatement. In that context, Paul writes these words with an enormous amount of weight and authority. He is inspired, he is empowered by the Spirit, and he has experienced what he's writing about. And what he wrote about in this first century is true of us today, and we have the same need. And the words that he gave them is the same word that we all need today. 
But let me clarify, first of all, this peace that we're talking about today in Philippians 4, this is not the peace with God. Jamie has done an extraordinary job over the past several weeks explaining the gospel and how through Christ we have peace with God. What Paul's writing about here today is the peace of God, a very different thing. The peace with God deals with our standing before a holy God. It is positional. The peace of God deals with practical living every single day. It is day in and day out, the things that we deal with, that we have peace with God. We may not have the peace of God. And until you have the peace with God, as Jamie's talked about, you will never experience the peace of God because the peace of God is rooted in a relationship, a personal relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 4, it says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's what we're going for. This is the promise of the prescription. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful and in desperate need of your word. In this time, in our society, it seems like there is far more stress than peace. Lord, first of all, we pray for those who do not have peace with you. Lord, there is a desperate need for the gospel to be shared, for people to trust in you as Lord and Savior. But Lord, even as believers, as we've trusted in you, there are times where we do not experience peace. So God, help us to see your plan and your commands in Scripture so that all of us may experience your peace, the peace of God that sustains us in this troubled time. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I say, we're going to look at five different things, walk through these as quickly as possible, of how we find peace, the prescription Number one is this, be joyful, be joyful. Verse four says, rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you missed that, he says again, for emphasis, I will say rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. This rejoicing and this joy is beyond an emotional response, but it is a focus of your mind and your heart that is not dependent on any circumstance. It does not mean that you will never experience pain. It does not mean that you will never experience suffering. And it does not mean that you will never experience conflict. In fact, the first part of chapter 4, there's two ladies in the church that have conflict. And Paul's writing to them about this. And he's saying, rejoice in the Lord in the midst of that conflict. We are to rejoice in difficult times. Because when we do that, we find strength in rejoicing in Him. In fact, Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is what? Our strength. Acts 5.41, if it doesn't have anything to do with circumstances, look at what Peter and the apostles, they were just flogged and beaten. And this is what they said. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for His name. So rejoicing is not circumstantial, 
but it is a focus of your heart and mind that finds strength in something. So the first question I ask as I look at this, be joyful when? When are we to be joyful? What's very clear, it says, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Always. This is a command and a choice that is to be constant for believers. It is to be a habit of your life. The habitual practice is to be joyful, to rejoice. Always means in good times and in bad times. It means in pain, in doubt, in suffering, even in death, we are to rejoice. Always. And let me ask you, Everybody just kind of look in the mirror. You can pull your mirror down. Just ask yourself this question. Would you consider yourself to be a joy-filled person? This may be a better way to determine that. Would those around you, ask them, would they consider you to be a person of joy? Or, if you were honest, would you have to say that you're more often negative and lacking joy? You could say, are people encouraged by being with you, or do they leave down and negative and depressed when they see you? I am so thankful. I am so thankful for joyful people in my life. I can look, and I can see some of you through your windshields, and I'm sure there's some of you at home that I think about when I see this. Joyful people that are encouragers. People, Some of you out there, when I see you coming, I love just hanging out with you because you're joyful rejoicing people and you are an encouragement and a strength to me being around you lifts me up but let's be honest how many of you find it a struggle sometimes to rejoice always that's a struggle for some of us and if paul had only said in this verse if all he said was rejoice always and left it at that i would say this would probably be one of the most difficult commands in all scripture to obey If he just said rejoice always, but there is a way in which we can do this. He says, first of all, rejoice always, but here's the next question. How much? Then secondly, how? How can we rejoice always? How is it even possible to do that? Well, in this short sentence and phrase, it is very clear what he says. Let me read it again. It says, rejoice in the Lord. Not just rejoice always. He says rejoice in the Lord always. This three-word phrase changes everything for us as believers. When we know and understand and remember that our joy is found in the Lord alone, no one, no circumstance, nothing can take that joy away. In order to rejoice, think about this, in order to rejoice always, we have to have a source of joy that has to qualify as always, right? If you were to rejoice in something always, that source has to be an always type of source. A source that is reliable, a source that is unchanging, a source really that is eternal, that will never end. And guess what? There is only one who qualifies to meet that requirement. Our Lord and Savior is the only source that qualifies to give us joy always. John MacArthur said this, The Lord is the only sure, reliable, unwavering, unchanging source of joy. And our spiritual stability is directly related to how a person thinks about God. 
if you say, as a Christian, and I believe most of you, you've trusted Christ or you wouldn't be here. As a believer, if you know Christ, but you find that you lack a consistent joy in your life, it is very possible that your source of joy has moved from being on the eternal God, the eternal source of joy, unchanging source of joy, and been moved into a temporary, changing, or broken source of joy. It could be that you have been trying to find joy in your prosperity. You could be trying to find joy in your possessions, the stuff you have. If your greatest source of joy is taking your boat out on the lake on a Saturday, and that's your greatest source of joy, be careful. Boats crash, boats sink, boats rust. You may be trying to find your joy in people. For you that are newly married, guess what? Your spouse will never ultimately fulfill your heart. Jesus Christ is your only source of joy. If you're trying to find your joy in your mate alone, they will disappoint you and you will disappoint them. Or maybe you're trying to find joy in politics. <laughs> we cannot find joy in any other source than the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are finding joy in something else, you will, other than the Lord, you will find yourself disappointed, frustrated, and you will be on an emotional roller coaster because everything else will disappoint. But in the Lord, there is confidence, and He will never let us down. So the first part of this prescription is to rejoice in the Lord always. Second one is this. It says, be gentle. Be gentle. Verse 5 says, let your gentleness be known to all men. And I'll stop right there. Rejoice always, but let your gentleness be known to all men. There's not one English word that can translate this original Greek word. So if you look in different translations, you'll come up with three or four different words to explain how New King James describes it as gentle. What does that mean? Let your gentleness be known to all. This word describes a person who does not seek to retaliate. It refers to a person's willingness to give and take instead of demanding their own personal rights be met. To be gentle means reasonableness, kindness, graciousness. It doesn't mean spineless, but it does mean selfless. It is the opposite of self-seeking. Let your gentleness be known to all. The greatest example that we see in all of Scripture is Jesus Christ Himself. Just the previous chapter, Paul writes on Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 through 8, he says this, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though He was God, He did not Think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Let your gentleness be known to all. How you interact with them. Does your interaction with everyone around you look like Jesus? Do you look like Jesus to your spouse? Do you treat them with gentleness, with your boss, with your coworker, with a waiter or waitress that just got your order wrong, with other church members 
Is your gentleness known? Is it evident on your post on social media that you deal gently with people? Sometimes we type something on a screen and for some reason we think that there's something different about our words that we're typing on a screen compared to the words that we actually speak to someone. Listen, your social media should be a reflection of who you are. Are you gentle in the way you deal with people? Are you showing that? Living gentle lives toward others is about you and me yielding to the Spirit of God at work in us. It is about having the mind of Christ. It is about spiritual maturity for us to deal gently with others. In fact, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. So we are to be joyful always in the Lord. We are to be gentle to everyone. But number three, it's not a command in this passage, but it is stuck in there. And I've just labeled it as be mindful. Be mindful. Second part of that verse, let your gentleness be known to all men. Then he just throws in this little sentence. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. This word can refer to two things. And scholars debate back and forth and have different positions. One is that the Lord is at hand means in physical position. In other words, I am more near to Justin over there than I am near to our greeters at the back of the parking lot. In position, I'm closer. So it can mean a physical position that the Lord is present. He is personal. He is not distant and detached and unconcerned. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Psalm 46 says this, says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. The Lord is at hand. But then it also refers to he is at hand in time, not only in position close to us, near to us, never leaving us, but he is also close to us in proximity of time. In other words, Jesus is coming soon. That is a promise and that is a promise that gives us hope and peace, especially in the day in which we live. And this is just, this is another sermon, another side note, but I've had several conversations as we've gone into the pandemic, and we look at everything going on in our world, and it's like, is Jesus coming back soon? And first century, they were saying, he's coming at any time. They were looking. The church here was saying, he could come any time. Paul's telling them, be ready, he could come at any time. Some 2,000 years later, we are still waiting, and he is closer now than he ever has been. But think about this. How, how quickly our lives changed with a few announcements on the television set concerning this pandemic. There are some experts that got on there, looked at the numbers, and they declared something, and we responded immediately, didn't we? We changed our whole lifestyle. We're meeting in a parking lot right now. Whoever thought that would happen so quickly? But all of that, I'm not saying that he's coming tomorrow, but I'm saying the stage is easily set for someone to step on the stage and dictate to an entire world, this is what we're going to do. And you've got a choice to do it or not do it. And it's never seen that before in my lifetime to how quickly our world can change. And we need to be ready. He could come at any time. But this truth, in order to have peace is essential for us to understand that He is with you, He never leaves you, but He is also coming soon. And we have an accountability to Him. But guess what? He is going to make all this world right. All the injustice will be made right. 
Sin will end and he will redeem this world once and for all and it will be right. And that is where we put our hope. Not on another law, not on debate on Capitol here. We put our hope on the fact that Jesus Christ rules and reigns and he is going to come back one day and all this will be made right. So we need to understand that he is near and we have to keep that in our mind at all times. Are you ready for him to return? Do you have peace with God? Because he is closer than he ever has been. Then the fourth thing. We're almost done. How do we have peace? What is this prescription? The fourth thing is this. Be calm. <laughs> Look at your neighbor, your wife, your spouse in your car. And just say, chill out. It's okay. Calm down. <laughs> Whatever it is we're going through. He says, be anxious for nothing. Verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. A simple way to translate that simply says, don't worry about anything. That's the habit of our life. It's an ongoing command. Stop worrying. Be anxious for nothing. Anxious means to be pulled in two different directions. It actually has the meaning of, carries with it the idea of being strangled. Any of you ever felt strangled? When you're stressed out over something, it's like you can't even breathe. That's what he's saying. Be anxious for nothing. In your mind, you can be pulled in two different directions for so long. This past week, um, I'm going to tell them my daughter. She's out here somewhere. My daughter experienced some anxiety. You see, she had a loose tooth for many months. We were thinking back, we think it may have been loose for a year. <laughs> One of her front teeth. And many months ago, we had... I put in my notes little conflict, but I'm going to confess here. It was a major conflict over this tooth. Trying to get that tooth out of her mouth. To get it out. It was already good and loose. We just needed to work with it a little bit. In her mind, though, there was a battle going on. Because in her mind, this tooth was not coming out. Because she had convinced herself it's going to hurt bad. There is going to be pain there's going to be blood, and blood is never good. So that night we had this big battle over the tooth, and there was a lot of screaming and craziness going on in our house. She was stressed out. We were stressed out. And finally we just said, that's enough. We're done. And we made those wise comments as parents. Oh, it's just going to rot out of your, rot out of your mouth. We're going to have to take you to the dentist. You're going to have ten shots. And, you know, we handled it very well as parents. But we just stepped back and said, we are not going to do this. Well, some, at least nine months, again, maybe a year later, this past week, it's like, we got to see that tooth, Ella. And she, she finally, she gave in to actually let me see the tooth. And it had already gotten a little bit brown on the bottom. Um, the other tooth's already in behind it. And she could actually breathe, and the thing would fall over. <laughs> it was that loose. And we kind of made a deal. We'll let you do it. We won't do it. So she convinced herself, again, the battle going on in the mind, this is going to be bad. This is going to hurt. I don't believe what you're telling me. I don't trust you. So the first night, we gave her a washcloth, said wet it, it grips it better. And she worked for, I think, two hours. And that tooth that was flopping in the wind didn't come out. So we said, tomorrow, it's going to be the day. The next day, I don't know what happened. I guess the Lord intervened, changed her heart. But in the midst of the stress and anxiety going back and forth, she said, I'll let you. She let me do it. 
So we went into the bathroom. I mean, it was, there was so much stress in the room. She opened her mouth. I got to see it. I reached in. And after a, whoa, oh, oh, it was gone. About a year's worth of stress and anxiety was over like that. And it was all because there was this battle in the mind of my little girl. She didn't trust me. But in that moment, she did and experienced relief immediately. All those battles didn't have to go on. But listen, when we are anxious, we will do crazy things. You will drive yourself crazy. We can convince ourselves that the worst possible thing is going to happen with whatever it is that you're dealing with. But listen, you, your anxiety will paralyze you, and this is not how God wants us to live as his children. Because worry and anxiety demonstrates that we are not trusting God, that he's not big enough, that he can't handle it, that what he says is not true. But we are to be calm to experience this peace. Be anxious for nothing, but it doesn't stop there. It's not just don't worry. He gives you the alternative to worry. He says, number five, the last one, be praying. Be calm, but as quickly as you say that, don't worry. Here's the alternative. Be praying. Verse five says, or verse six, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Someone has said, if something is big enough to worry about, it is big enough to pray about. Be anxious for nothing, but everything, prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. It's interesting how he puts that. He doesn't just say, pray about everything. He gives little specifics in this phrase. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. With prayer... When we are to pray, it's the idea of adoration and praise. Think about the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. How did he begin it? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But even Jesus' prayer begins with praise of the Father. Adoration and praise. Before you rush into prayer, it is important that we all slow down and think on, consider and realize who it is we're talking to. We have been given access through Christ to the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, the just, gracious, loving, merciful creator of all things. We have access to talk to him. When we pray, we ought to begin our time focused on just who he is and praising him in prayer, give him adoration. That this God tells us to call on him, that we boldly approach that throne of grace. So we should begin with adoration and praise as we pray. But then he says, and supplication. In other words, what supply do you need? What are the needs of your life? We should pour those out to our God who can meet our needs. Tell him your needs. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So praise and adoration in our prayers telling the Lord what we need, no matter how big or how small. Do you realize there's no, no uh, difference with God? There's no such thing as a big need and a small need. There's nothing big compared to Him. Prayer, supplication, and then He says thanksgiving. With thanksgiving in our prayers, do not forget to thank Him for what He's done in the past and what He has promised to do in your prayer life. 
Don't be like the nine lepers who were healed but did not return. To be like the one to say, thank you. To be able to say in your prayers, God, thank you for your mercy and grace every day. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for, your, for the family that you have, the supply that he's given you, your health and your protection. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18 says, Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus. And just one final note before we close with the peace. Understand that the power of prayer, the power of your prayer is not in the way you articulate that prayer or the words necessarily that you say. The power of prayer is in the one who hears you when you pray. It rests on him, not on your ability to pray or say the right words or sound uh, liturgical or whatever. God sees your heart. He understands your heart. Your power is not in that. It is resting alone in who he is, the one who is listening to your prayer. So, we have be joyful, we are to be gentle. I say be mindful that the Lord is with you and he's returning soon. That we are to be calm, be anxious for nothing. And we are to pray and adore him and thank him and give him your needs. And what is the promise to this prescription if we do what he's commanded us? The promise is this, verse number 7. And that is that we will be at peace. He says, and the peace of God... After these things have been lived out in us. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The results of your obedience to his commands. To trust him in this. It is a peace that nobody here can explain. It is beyond reason. It is a peace that can't be explained. It is a peace that will guard your heart and mind. What you feel. What you think. And you think about Paul writing this, he was chained to a guard. And it's a military term. It will guard and protect your heart. And it is a peace that is through Christ Jesus. It will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And Jesus says this in the Gospels. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. This past week, I had a chance to talk to one of our church members. Um, this lady just happened to be the assistant teacher in the first grade, Sandra Presley, for me. I talked to her on Monday, and many of you know uh, that she is dealing with cancer right now. It has come back, and she's fighting it again. She's been so strong, and uh, as I talked to her, um, it, was, it was amazing as, as I talked to her like did you read my sermon did you read this passage because this is exactly what we're going to talk about Sunday but as I talked to her she encouraged me to go read her Caring Bridge site and to read a post on May 17th because I want to read this to you because it is exactly what we're talking about here as his followers and this is what she said. She said, finally, I'm able to post. I've actually started several posts, but just didn't post it. Just didn't feel right. I will post another time about my cancer journey I'm on once again. But today is about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Since March 12, 2020, I've been through some dark places in my emotions. I have so many Christian friends, family, my church, 
ETBC and many I don't know are praying for me. The meds I'm on now really have some bothersome side effects. These have been difficult to accept. Therefore, my stubborn Barnes and Bumgarner traits took over. I have fought daily to get back to my normal self with my optimistic outlook. I can't accept the person I've been since March 12th. The extrovert in me has struggled tremendously with self-quarantine per doctor's orders. I've been in isolation. But this is what she writes. Today, March 7, May 17th, today, God opened my soul to the blessing of peace and grace. I knew he would, but I had to be broken in spirit to fully experience this grace. Today is that day. I watched ETBC online. As always, the music was an encouraging blessing. As always, Pastor Jamie preached straight from God's holy Bible, the truths. Pastor Jamie will never dilute the word of God, said it, and we believe it. Then God led me to a Christian song he knew would encourage me. That's my God taking care of me. Now, this gets really good. The first song was by Crowder, All My Hope Is In Jesus. Some of the lyrics are, I've been held by the Savior. There's a kind of thing that just breaks a man, breaks him down to his knees. God, I've been broken more than a time or two. Yes, Lord. Then he picked me up, showed me what it is to have all my hope in Jesus. As my precious mother said often, well, well glory. Next up, which I didn't choose, it just started playing, How He Loves Me. Some of the lyrics, He is jealous for me. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of His wind and His mercy. When all of a sudden I'm aware of these afflictions, eclipsed by glory, and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Rich, she says. And then for the final blessing, Chris Tomlin, good, good father. You're a good, good father. That's who you are because you know just what we need and I'm never alone. I've been blessed. This is Sandra speaking from her heart. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of uncertainty, she says, I've been blessed, exclamation point. God knew and planned this day for me. I cried in brokenness. I cried in joy. Rejoice always. I cried in joy. And I just cried knowing how faithful God is to me. Sometimes I'm a stubborn child, but all my hope is in Jesus, knowing how he loves me, and knowing he is a good, good father. And then she says this, I pray that you are a child of the king, saved by his grace. If not, talk to a Christian that will be happy to share Jesus with you. As we close today, I'm going to ask Caitlin to come. She's going to close us with a song, a little bit different today. And I encourage you to take your bulletins, and I want you to follow along with the words to this song, because it is exactly what we're talking about today. Remember who it is that holds us. Remember your source of peace, your source of joy, because we can very easily lose sight of that. Listen to the words of this song. Quickly we forget the power that 
that's running through our veins The kind of power that empties grace And oh my soul Remember who you're talking to The only one who death bows to That's the God who walks with you And oh my soul, you know that if he did it then, that he can do it all again. His power can still raise the dead. Don't tell me that he's finished yet. Lest we not forget the voice that told him back the waves was once the voice that told the skies to pour them into place let us join the endless song of everlasting praise the only god who empties graves and oh my soul remember who you're talking to the only one who death that's the God who walks with you And oh my soul You know that if he did it then He can do it all again His power can still raise the dead Don't tell me that if you broke through the oceans you can break through these chains if your word made the mountains, it can move them all the same. If death fell before you, and it's still on its face, then the power that raised you is about to move again. If you broke through the oceans, you can break through these chains. If your word made the mountains, it can move them all the same. If death fell before you, and it's still on its face And the power that raised you Is about to move again Is about to move again Oh my soul Remember who you're talking to The only one who death bows to And oh my 
join me in prayer. Father, we thank you that you give peace that the world cannot take away. Lord, we're thankful that it is a constant source for us. Help us to live in obedience to what you command in your word. Lord, your commands are not burdensome, but they are for our good. Help us to rejoice always in you. Help us to treat others with gentleness by the power of your spirit. Lord, help us to Be mindful that you are with us and you'll never leave us. And Lord, you are coming back soon. God, help us not to worry and be anxious for anything, but call on you every single day in every single situation. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling even today with anxiety and stress and struggles and difficulties. Lord, may they find their rest in you. May they call on you and cast their cares on you. And Lord, may, as that song said, may we always be mindful and remember who it is we're talking to, that God, you hear us and you move and you act on our behalf for your good, or for our good and for your glory. So we love you and thank you for being with us today. In Jesus' name, amen.